All right, I guess we're going to get started. Um, you know, in, when we were praying after we put the, the lesson together today, we just prayed, and I just kept hearing the phrase, don't forget the one thing. And so I, I think we want to start with the main thing. You know, I, I just kept hearing that if we don't have friendship with God, then we're never going to share about our friend. If, if we don't keep him the main thing in our lives, then it, this becomes works instead of um, just an overflow of our love for him. And so tonight I just, we just really felt like we need to refocus. You know, we started out this series by saying that uh, you can't go into all the world if you don't love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, which is the greatest commandment. If, if we don't do that, then we're not going to go into all the world. And we can't love our neighbor as ourselves if we're not going into all the world. So it's so easy. You know, we've changed season. We were in a resting phase, and now we're, we're in a battle phase, the war, war season for some of us. It's so easy in the battle season to lose sight of the main thing. And when that happens, we get so busy doing the stuff that God has called us to that we neglect the very power to be able to fulfill the things that God has called us to, including the battle. And so tonight we just want to refocus the main thing. And we're going to just start with a song called The One Thing, right? Or The Main Thing? One you're one thing. You are the one thing. Um, so we're just going to play that. And I just want us to stand and just refocus our hearts. You know, I don't know what your week has looked like or what this month has looked like, or if it's anything like what's going on in our land, it's probably a little bit of chaos. And we just have to constantly recenter ourselves and make sure that God is the center of everything we do and that we flow from that place. Or evangelism is just a bunch of hot air if it's not coming from a place of overflow. So let's just stand. And I'm going to pray and then, I'll, no, you, you know, I'm going to pray after the song. Yeah, so let's just play that song. Father God, we thank you that you call us into friendship. Father, you don't just call us into sonship. You call us into friendship. Father, and it's out of the place of friendship with Jesus. It's out of that place, God, that we are to overflow into all of the world. God, if we don't continually be in friendship with you, God, then we're just striving. And, and the gospel that we present is a grumpy gospel. It's a harsh gospel. God, it's a gospel that the world isn't looking for. But God, when we overflow out of friendship, we can't stop talking about the goodness of who you are. God, we can't, we can't shut up about the beauty of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, so I ask that you refocus our hearts. God, if we are out of alignment tonight, I ask that you refocus our hearts back into friendship. Lord, forgive us for putting works as the main thing. 
Father, forgive us for putting busyness before you. God, you are the main thing, the most important thing. Refocus us, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We ask that you continue to transform our hearts and our minds and our souls. God, that we would become so passionate about you that everybody we come in contact with, we tell them all about you. God, you are good and you are worthy of a life laid down, but you are worthy of our friendship. Nobody deserves friendship like you do, God, with us. And that's the beauty of the gospel. You are the perfect friend. Father, we just praise you tonight. And we say thank you for being in this place. May the heartbeat of who you are be spoken here. Be known here. Be felt here. Be heard here. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You may be seated. So while Angel was praying, I got this picture in my mind. Um, and I don't know if you, some of you have children, and I'm sure you've experienced or seen somewhere throughout time when kids get their annual school photo done, they're sent home with a package of photos, right? And sometimes you can get a keychain with your kid's picture on it. And um, I just had this picture of God with a heavenly set of keychain danglies. You know, some of our keychains are quite loud, lots of keys, lots of things on them that go clink, clang. <laughs> and uh, I just saw all these little school photos kind of deal, like these little keychains with photos on it. And they were each of you. And I just felt like, you know, as she was praying and as we center on loving our God, when we're recentered, we realize how much he loves us. You know, sometimes we run around and we work and we strive and we're trying to figure out, do you really love me? And if so, where are you? And why can't you show me? And it can be really hard to distinguish God's love for us in the midst of busy work and life and craziness. But it's when we are still and we focus our attention on him that we start to recognize his affection back to us. And so I just wanted to encourage you that each of you, each of your little faces, each of your little photos, if God were to have a keychain, if the, if the Heavenly Father were to have a keychain with all the keys to all the doors and all the world, your face, your photo would be on that keychain because he loves you. And so... I think that's just the heart of God, is that as we love him, he can't help but love us in return. Yeah. So we're going to jump in to some practical approaches to evangelism. So if you were with us last week, we sped through the gospel. And so we are officially done going through all the points of the gospel. And we are jumping in to a relatively exhaustive list of what our practical approaches to evangelism. As you can see, we're going to start out with the 18 approaches to evangelism, which <laughs> yeah, 
I know, exhaustive, right? <laughs> It'll be fun, though, because we're going to tell some really fun stories along the way. So hopefully you won't even feel like we're doing 18. You'll be like, what? We just started and we're done already. Hallelujah. That's the prayer. <laughs> okay. So diving right in. I feel loud. Am I too loud? No? Okay, just loud to me. Whew. Okay, number one is open air preaching. So open air preaching is the representation we see of Jesus preaching um, in the Bible. For example, his Sermon on the Mount was open air preaching. It's speaking in public places in the open. It is one of the oldest approaches of evangelism known to man. Um, and Charles Spurgeon, one of the most famous open-air Baptist preachers in England believed that open-air preaching was instrumental in getting people to hear the gospel who may otherwise have never heard it before. And really, the only place I've truly experienced open-air preaching has been in Africa, where it is a cultural norm to do open-air preaching. So probably in that portion of the world, it was fairly common. Um, but I had this experience one time where our team was given the opportunity to preach open air. Um, a couple, actually, a couple of times we've done this, but one time specifically, we had the opportunity to preach in a market. So, if you've ever been to a foreign country to see marketplaces, it's pretty chaotic. And if you haven't, let me paint the picture for you. You got a big dirt spot. And lots of people with like their trucks backed up selling fruit and cigarettes and toys out of the back of their truck bed. Some of them have little, uh, we call them peaky peakies, peachy peaches, something like that in Africa. They're little motorcycles with baskets on the front and they'd sell goods out of their basket. Um, some would be walking with, you know, the stick across their shoulders with giant heavy bags on each end to balance them and they'd sell out of their bags. You know, so it just was wild. There were lots of people everywhere, lots of things being sold, lots of shouting. It was usually at the center of a traffic spot. So there's lots of beeping and honking and vroom vroomers. And so right there in the midst of that, in the midst of all the loud, of all the people and all the chaos, we'd be like, looks like a good place to just start shouting the gospel. Lots of people. <laughs> Here we go. And so we would do a skit to draw attention, play some real loud music. And then once we draw a crowd, someone would start to share their testimony and then they'd start preaching. And there was one time we did this where a guy came up afterwards and had received, the had received salvation through us sharing the gospel this way and came up to tell us a story. And he said, you know, every single day I leave the house and my wife is a Christian. And she says to me, don't you know, today's the day you're going to get saved. And he says, yeah, okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs> and he goes to work and he comes home and she goes, did you get saved? And he goes, nope. <laughs> she goes, okay, maybe tomorrow. Every day for more than a decade, this faithful woman looked at her husband and said, today's the day you're going to get saved. And so he came up to us afterwards and he, and he was crying. He had these tears in his eyes and he said, you know, I never understood why she cared so much. I didn't understand what it meant to her, but now I know today I get to go home and say, yeah, today's the day I got saved, honey. And we were like floored. And so open air is definitely one of the ways that you share the gospel to people that otherwise never would have heard it before. Number two is the trickle down evangelism. Trickle down. It's like, 
Um, <laughs> Trickle-down evangelism is an approach to evangelism primarily concerned with converting high-ranking members of society so that their influence can trickle down over the nation uh, or society in question. Um, just to give you a heads up, I am e using a lot of this information from the ever-so-ill-fated Wikipedia. <laughs> so take some of the statistics as you will. Um, but it was the most exhaustive list I could find out of all the articles I read. So there are lots of people that use this method. Um, a biblical example of it is, uh, I think Mark actually just talked about in a sermon this past week about the peace, right? You go into places and, if, and you leave your peace, and if the peace falls, good. And if not, you kick off the dust and you keep going. Um, it's that example of finding a person of peace. And so trying to find a person of influence who is your person of peace, um, kind of like the kingpin. Um, for me, when I was living in Greece, our kingpin was a drug dealer. <laughs> and he certainly had a lot of influence. And so when we, for lack of a better term, had him in our pocket, we had access to a lot more people in the community. At that time, we were living in an anarchist community, so a drug dealer was definitely the person of influence we needed to get into people we otherwise couldn't get to because we were goody-goody two-shoe missionaries. So <laughs> they wouldn't just open their door to us. Okay, number three is door-to-door -door preaching. Door-to-door -door preaching is an approach to evangelism where a Christian will go from household to household in a certain area to evangelize the residents. Often they're handing out gospel tracts or Bibles, offering to pray for people, um, offering some sort of uh, literature, like if there's a new rehab center in town or if there's an event going on that they want to invite people to, etc. Door-to-door um, -door is actually one of my favorites, and it's probably the most uncomfortable for Americans to do, as Angel nods very heartily. Uh, <laughs> Um, she made me do it in Panama once. I thought I was going to die. It is so much fun. Um, in Panama, it's part of the culture. And so they literally stand outside each other's houses and they go, Buenas! Buenas! <laughs> and so it's funny as an American to go stand outside and go, Buenas! <laughs> Buenas! <laughs> Which is their slang of like, Good day, hello, kind of. And so, yeah, it's fun. Because <laughs> then they invite you into your house, and you have tea, and you talk. And, I mean, when you get into a person's house is when things get real, you know, because you're, like, in their zone. There's There's been a couple times where we've walked in, and there's been family members that were demonized that when we walk in, they, like, a child tries to throw themselves in the fire. And we're like, what's going on? And they were like, oh, yeah, our kid's got a demon. And we're like, can we pray for him? And they're like, yeah, sure, that sounds good. And so, you know, we've done that a couple times. Um, other, other times, it's much more mild. I know that that was a pretty extreme example. Um, but when you're in foreign countries, that's almost their normal. In, in foreign countries like Panama, where there's witchcraft, or Africa, Uganda, where there's witchcraft, that just is like a run-of-the-mill experience. Um, 
I will say a really positive experience was one time we were in Costa Rica and in the city of San Jose, they had a goal of a Bible in every home. And they had like 1.6 million residents in San Jose, something astronomical like that. And they wanted to get a Bible in every single person's home. And so we were there for a week doing a conference and being a part of their Bible in every home outreach. And so they gave us a city block and they were like, this is your city block, get a Bible in every one of these homes. This is your mission. <laughs> and we're like, aye, aye, Captain. So we go out and we're going door to door and we're having some good talks. Some people aren't home. Some people are avoiding us just like we avoid other people that ring our doorbells in white shirts and black ties. Um, <laughs> and we get to one house in particular that we have a very favorable outcome with. And we're like, man, thank you, Jesus. Finally, one person who didn't avoid us. And before we know it, you know, we're going door to door and still they're ignoring us. So we're just like tucking a Bible in their door, throwing one through the window, like take any avenue possible. We're getting it in there. Because uh, in foreign countries, they leave the door and their window open. You know, it's not like America where everything's super locked down always. So we're going, people are avoiding us or just not home maybe. And this lady comes running down the road at us and she's waving at us. She's, buenos dias, buenos dias, hello, hello. And we're like, hi, what's up? And she's like, my friend just called me. My friend lives down there at the end of the block. And she said, you're coming to my house today. And we're like, where do you live? <laughs> and she's like, just right over there. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're on our way. We're coming. We just have to hit a couple houses first. And she's like, well, don't delay. Like, please come to my house. Like, I'm, I'm really looking forward to you. My friend told me all about you and how you, you told her about Jesus. And I want to hear about Jesus. And we're like, are you kidding? This is amazing. Okay, cool. So the next three houses, they didn't answer their door. So we tuck their Bible in and we get to this lady's house. And in the time it took us from leaving her friend's house and her friend called and shared her story of salvation to her neighbor down the block. When we get to her house, she's got a meal set out and water and refreshments. And I mean, that's a lot in, in a rural community, right? That's a lot in a foreign country for strangers. That's a lot in America, <laughs> right? And so we go in and she's like, oh, I've been waiting for you. Will you tell me about Jesus? And we're like, hello. <laughs> that, that's the easiest approach you can get. <laughs> and so we share Jesus with her. We pray for her. We get words for her and encourage her and bless her. And it was just beautiful. It was just beautiful. So that's door-to-door -door preaching. It, it really, hello, can you still hear me? It really is one of the best and most fun, for me at least, versions of evangelism. Um, but again, we're sharing with you these 18 things so my, that it opens your eyes to... It's my least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and she just thinks it's great to take me on those journeys. Really? The, listen, there was this one time, this really... Is, oh my gosh, there's so many stories. So we could talk after. I could tell you a million stories. But there was this one time, I took my mom to Panama, and my mom and I were doing door-to-door -door evangelism, and like, just for fun, really. <laughs> and, and we <laughs> we also... Um, the school that was running at the YWAM base we were visiting while we were there was doing a fundraiser where they were selling arroz con leche, which is like little cups of rice and milk. It's a little dessert with cinnamon and sugar sprinkled on top and they love it. They eat it up there. And so we were like taking that with us to hand out to sell. And we had a couple left and this bus comes. And so my mom's like, oh, 
what if we preach the gospel on a bus? And I'm like, you're really stretching my Spanish capabilities right now. <laughs> but, but we're like, why the heck not? <laughs> so we flag down a bus and we hop on the bus and I ask the bus driver if we can give them, give the people arroz con leche and share the gospel. And he's like, yes, we love arroz con leche, please. <laughs> and so we're handing out this little dessert cup and preaching the gospel. And the people on the bus are like, take my money. And we're like, oh, Jesus. And so like, it's one of those things that you just kind of have to roll with the punches. You just have to be like, be willing to look like a fool. Remember how many times have I said that so far? Like if your goal is to look foolish, it's not, it's not hard to achieve it, right? Like you can just go and be open and flexible and willing and it works for the kingdom. And no, when I say be a fool, I don't mean in a negative way. I mean like unashamed, willing to be undignified for the kingdom, right? Okay, next one. I'm going to lose count pretty quick because there's 18 of them. So the next one is evangelism through a sermon. This is a very common one we see in America uh, where we see it in an altar call. Um, the next one is lifestyle evangelism. Lifestyle evangelism is an approach to evangelism characterized by someone demonstrating their faith by their actions in the hope that the people around them uh, will turn towards the Lord. Um, and this is founded in Matthew 5:16, that tells us, let your light shine before men that they would see your good works and praise your father in heaven. So this is, um, probably one of the common ones for Christians in the workplace where we hope that our, our character and our life and the way we shine will point people to Jesus and stir up conversations. Anything to add so far? The next one, what number are we on? Seven? Six. Oh, good counters. Okay, number six, child evangelism. Um, and child evangelism is the focus of the 414 window, um, sharing the gospel with children between the ages of four and 14 years old, uh, which is often believed that that is the prime time that an individual develops their core belief system um, and that is the time to get them, <laughs> basically. Okay, number seven, lucky number seven, is creative evangelism. So this approach to evangelism is where creative arts are used, like music and movies and drama and visual arts. Um, they're used to share the gospel. So a couple examples I thought were really nifty. One is... Uh, considered the most famous example of creative evangelism, George Handel's Oratio, Oratio, Messiah, was written in 1741, and it is the most performed major choral work in history that's been tied to the revival of the Church of England. It's also considered to be one of the most influencing features for John Wesley's theology and um, convictions concerning eternal security. It has also been viewed 400 million times per year since then. That's wild. Um, and then one more example is the Campus Crusade for Christ. They own the distribution rights for the movie, The Jesus Film. And The Jesus Film is a presentation about the life of Jesus Christ. And the movie has been translated into more than 80 languages and has been viewed by more than 850 million people. So what's really cool about creative media and creative outlets for evangelism um, 
is that art, the sphere of art, so if society were broken into different spheres, the sphere of art is the one sphere that has the least authority to tell us what to think, what to believe, or what to do. Art, the, the sphere of art doesn't make laws, doesn't make policies, it doesn't govern our everyday life. But the sphere of art has the most influence in affecting our thoughts and our beliefs and our actions. Like if you think about the music you listen to and whether that affects your mood, your attitude, the way you think about yourself, the way you think about life, the movies, the commercials, the things you hear every day on the radio or commercials, like how many of you know the jingle to, you know, the Dubois Mall <laughs> or the jingle to Johnson's or the, you know, all those different things. It's like, you can rattle off their little theme song and their phone number without thinking twice. <laughs> and so those things are, influ are influencing us at a deep level, whether we realize it or not. You wanna share your Mary piece? Your Mary art piece? Oh yeah, um, I was like, my Mary, <laughs> sorry. Um, so I have a f coworker when I was uh, working who works in, um, she works with the children who have to be interviewed for um, abuse. And so she's in charge of that department. And when she, and she used to do something else. And so she was switching over and I was praying for her one day and I created an art piece that I gave her. And it was this garbage dump and there was a flower in the middle. And I just, I, I, told her that the Lord told me that she would be a flower in the middle of the garbage, that, that she would be the safe place in the middle of the mess that she would be ministering to to these children. She's a believer. And so I just wrote it all out and handed it to her when she was transitioning into this job. Well, she ended up hanging it up in her office, and I just met with her, and it's the first time I've seen her since giving her that art piece because I've left the field, and we no longer our paths no longer crossed even professionally. So she said, Angel, I, I want you to know that your art piece has become my main topic and focus. Everybody comments on it because it's hanging on the wall, and I put the prophetic piece underneath it. I wrote it all out and put it underneath it, and I'm able to share the gospel weekly with that art piece because of just you being obedient and giving that piece to me. So, so I thought that was really cool. So it's amazing what the arts can do. Yeah, and so... These are all just approaches to evangelism. These are like streams and avenues you can choose to take to share the gospel. So maybe, you know, as we're talking, you feel like angel and you're like, I am not going door to door. You could not pay me <laughs> to do that. But maybe you're like, oh, I could draw a picture. Okay, I could do that, you know, or as we go through some of these, you know, not all of these you're going to look at and go sign me up. And that's okay. That is totally okay. Because we're all unique, you know, and the, and the way that God made us is individual. And one of these, I'm sure out of 18 plus will stick out to you and you'll go, okay, maybe that's up my alley. <laughs> so as we continue through, keep your heart open to alternative avenues to share the gospel. Okay. So another one, eight, uh, using the gospel tracks. So a gospel tract is simply that leaflet that contains the gospel message. They're usually pretty small, easy to hand out. Some of them can be quite fun and, and eye catching. I know, I remember some, one time I was walking down the street and someone stuck what looked like a hundred dollar bill in my hand. And I kept walking. I was like, no way. Looked at it. Nope. It's the gospel. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's printed on like fake money paper and I you flip it over and it's like blank on the other side and I was like okay you got me like you got me to do a double take that that was pretty good so some of them can be pretty fun uh number nine is televangelism so this is the approach to evangelism where you share through the medium of television pretty simple um, there are even some large Christian television networks, such as the Catholic Broadcasting Channel, EWTN, um, or the Protestant Channel, TBN. Um, and I know there's, so there's lots of, other, there's like God TV now, and there's, I mean, I'll say Hillsong and Elevation and Bethel TV. There's so many now, so what? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, and there's God Tube. Yeah. So lots of cool stuff out there. Um, uh, 10, I think we're at 10, uh, is radio evangelism. This one has some fun statistics. Uh, so radio evangelism is very simply put the evangelism by way of radio broadcast. Bum, bum, bum. Surprise. Okay. So here's three cool statistics from around the world. The first one is from Latin America and a woman named Maria Miranda has the most is the most listened to radio evangelist from Latin America and has been heard by over 100 million people per day through 537 radio stations in 22 countries. Wow, that's a far reach. Um, another example is in Yemen, a country that is noted with 97% of the country listed as Muslim so in a 97% rate of Muslim, Islam, Islamic belief, 10% of the population listens to the Christian radio. We'll take it. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be more one day, Lord, but we'll take it. Um, another one is uh, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has a radio station on KFUO called the Lutheran Hour since 1925 and had 500, or sorry, 5 million listeners by 1931, and is now broadcast in over 31 languages with more than 40 million listeners throughout the world. So like, man, radio is where it's at. I was going to say, do you, you want to share about your daughter? Yeah. Um, our oldest daughter got a communication major in high school and didn't know what to do with it, but she is now serving with YWAM, and she is in charge of um, help helping in the radio station there and they're actually talking about starting radio stations in some of the third world countries right now so that's what she does and that's what she uses and she's got many testimonies of because they play secular music too and so they cross over between the two but they put out a lot of messages and stuff and she has got a lot a lot of incredible testimonies of being used on the radio to share the gospel so. yeah it's beautiful Okay, number 11 is internet evangelism. So this is obviously very new considering the internet is new, um, but is often considered sharing the gospel via email, social media, uh, posting social media services online. That's, I said that backwards. Posting church services on social media um, or sharing your faith in a chat room. Off offering evangelical messages or advertisements, etc. Um, I thought it was interesting that Billy Graham set up the Internet Evangelism Coalition in 1999 and initiated Internet Evangelism Day on the last Sunday of April of every year. So 
<laughs> one day a year to post the gospel on Facebook. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. You should be doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and be, be careful. Here's my caveat to being a social media evangelist. If you're going to be a social media evangelist, then make sure all of your media is Jesus-centered and not F-bomb-centered one day and Jesus-centered the next because you're you're disqualifying your gospel. You're taming down your gospel, and no one's going to take you seriously, Not especially the world will not take you seriously if you're, you're doing one thing that goes against God's principle one day and doing something else for God the next day. I mean, it, you become a joke. Like, I can't tell you how many unbelievers I have talked to that we become jokes when that is the evangelism that we're doing. Yeah, and so it's one of those things that it's better to either be off social media or, I don't know, pray and find your conviction about it because it is a very tricky thing to balance. I know as a missionary living overseas, sometimes you 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 serve all week long in rural places without Wi-Fi and it's not encouraged to take pictures because it looks like exploitation. Because you say, look at this poor impoverished person and look at the clothes I just gave them. Go America, you know, <laughs> go white, white supremacy, go white Jesus, look at me saving the white or saving the colored people, you know, and it looks so bad. It's considered exploitation when you reveal their weakness and show, look, we showed up and served them. And so in, in missions, we a lot of missionaries end up deactivating social media because there's no way to say, look at all we uh, look at all we did this week. Look how beautiful this is without someone in the world being like, you're exploiting the victim. Look at, are you're just trying to make yourself look good. So we just steer clear of it. And and if that doesn't happen, we post pictures of like, oh look, here's uh, me hand washing the clothes in the ocean or here's us taking a mile long trek through the jungle or here's us stuck at sea and they're like why don't you show us ministry we want to see you do ministry or then you post pictures on your day off and you're like ah oh, look a day at the beach and they're like are you just a vacationary is that all you do you sit on your butt all day and so you can't win for losing as a missionary on social media so I just don't <laughs> Um, and so I've come back to America with, with a pretty much, with a pretty limited input on social media. The only things I share on social media are the gospel or church services or saying happy birthday to someone at this point is unfortunately, it's one of those things that you will never please anybody. So you just have to be careful and mindful and intentional about the things you click like and share. Because nowadays, you even see the things that you like. If you like something or you post interested to going to an event, everyone in the whole universe sees it. And they start commenting on it. Oh, you're going to a wine tasting, eh? Oh, what's that about? You know, And you're like, oh, no, I wasn't going. I clicked interested because I have a friend who is. And oh, no, look at the, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> And it just becomes a mess. So mind your witness. Mind your witness and don't get in fights on social media. It looks bad. Uh, next one. Phone evangelism. I'm pretty sure this has become fairly outdated. I don't think I know anyone who's done this. I know you, I, he's done phone evangelism and you've done phone evangelism. Oh, I have? In my, both of you in my presence. You know what it is. It's not that you call anybody. Somebody calls you by mistake <gasps> and you end up witnessing to him. I've watched him do it and I've watched you do it. So okay, I have done it's just that. a different 
take on it now than Busted. before. <laughs> okay, that's pretty fun though, because that feels like God set you up. There, I mean, there's people, there's telemarketers I've become friends with. <laughs> they call to sign me up for a, you know, accidental loan replacement. I don't know what. And I'm like, how was your day? No, really. <laughs> how are you? Are you sure you're okay? You don't sound so good. Do you need help? Do you need something? Do you need to talk? You need me to pray for you? And you, before you know it, you find out all their grandkids' names and everyone in their whole family, everything that's going on in their life. And you pray together. You cry together. You're friends, you know? It just happens. <laughs> it's taking advantage of a moment. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah, like campaigning. Like, you know, I just saw someone post a picture. Someone I knew from high school was campaigning for Biden and was doing the calling list. And so I know when it comes to political stuff, they still do phone call campaigns. So maybe there's something to it. Maybe we ought to get back on the horse and start phone campaigning for Christ. Yes. <laughs> om nom nom. <laughs> okay, whatever number we're on now. <laughs> 13? Thank you. 13 is personal evangelism. This is probably the most common. I don't know why it's so far down the list, but personal evangelism is the example of doing one-to-one. -one. It's Sharing the gospel with someone who is a non-believer. Easy, easily put. Um, and a 1982 Gallup poll revealed that 51% of all Americans have tried to convince someone in their lifetime to become a Christian. That's pretty good. Numbers are probably down now. <laughs> I would like to think they're up, but they might be down. Um, there's obviously plenty of stories about that. We can't even, we don't have time to go into it. Uh, 14, creation evangelism. So this is not to be confused with creative evangelism. Creation evangelism uses modern science to back up the Bible, um, specifically the account of Genesis, um, using modern science to hopefully influence um, the sorts that like to banter about creation versus evolution and scientific logic and reason and things like that. Um, if you're going to do that, I encourage you to check out Ken Ham's books, Answers in Genesis. And my caveat is Titus 3.9. Be careful. But oh, be careful to avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. So basically, that means know when to disengage. Um, you don't want to just add 
fuel to the fire. You don't want to just keep egging and egging and egging on if someone is set and determined to believe what they believe. You know, it can be it can be fun and exciting to have deep, riveting conversations about, you know, how do you think things were made and what philosophy do you um, subscribe to? And, you know, how do you think this happened or where did that come from? It, it can be great to have those conversations, but just, just be mindful of when it starts to become a heart issue where there's division and dissension and offense building, because that is not good soil for the gospel to be presented. Timothy, or sorry, Titus 3.9. Yeah. Um, and similar to that is uh, archaeology evangelism. Didn't know that was a thing. Uh, thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> but Archaeology evangelism is primarily used by Seventh-day Adventists and Christadelphians. Uh, and basically, they do the same thing as creation evangelism, except with archaeological finds and cultural finds. So, yeah, quite fascinating. And if you're someone that really appreciates history and really appreciates science, that could be a very cool thing to do. Um, personally... I've recently, in, in the Bible school I'm working through right now, we did a whole study on Genesis and creation versus evolution and biology and science and theology and how they all mix together and blend together. And the thing that I've come down to for me personally is that Genesis is a theological account of creation. Um, and that is the point of the Bible, is to bring theological revelation. Um, and so... There's too much data missing from the Bible to call it a specific history book or science book, but it has all the right data required for theological understanding. So take that as you will. Okay. Um, 15, 16, whatever number's next. <laughs> Darn, I thought I was on track. Use of props. Um, and so this is where you share the gospel using like the color book, the wordless book, the e-cube, flip graphs, charts, demonstrations, the string of eternity that Francis Chan uses, etc. It's kind of where you would use something as, uh, as an allegory or illustration to share the gospel. Okay, so that's 17, I think, right? Oh, thank God I got you guys. Um, oops, wrong one. Okay, so 17, we're going to look at, where is that? Am I missing it? Relationship, friendship evangelism, relationship evangelism. Oh, okay. Friendship evangelism. So friendship evangelism is pretty similar to lifestyle evangelism. Um, but it's, it's characterized by the specific intent of developing a relationship with a person in order to show them kindness, to talk to them about God eventually. So it's very pointed. Um, it's kind of that concept of loving someone into the kingdom. <laughs> I, had, I had an LOL moment when I read this, so I have to share it with you. Opponents hold that friendship evangelism contrasts with the approach of Jesus, Paul, and the, and the apostles towards preaching the gospel. Missionary dating, which is dating an unbeliever in hopes of converting them, takes us a step further. And flirty fishing takes it to an extreme. 
<laughs> flirty fishing, which is the old flirt to convert. <laughs> it's a real thing. I've seen it in action. I'm just going to say it worked and leave it at that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not highly recommended, but I have seen it in action and I saw it work. <laughs> I was stunned. Okay, I'm just going to backtrack a minute so you don't think I'm um, some crazy. I mean, I'm already a little crazy, but not that crazy. We're just going to call it the bait and switch. They thought they were egging me on for a date, and what they left with was a conversion. <laughs> they left with Jesus because <laughs> I was like, no, no, but here, try this. This will give you the love you're seeking, <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> it worked. They walked away with Jesus, and they're still walking with Jesus, so... Typically, it doesn't produce very good, sustainable results, but thank you, Jesus, this one did. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Very important. Yes, because sometimes bad boys just want a good girl. Don't buy that lie. Thank God we got a good guy right here, huh, Cole? You're a good guy. You're the best guy. Yes. Cool. Okay, so friendship evangelism. Uh, we're going to transfer to ooh, testimony gospel method. So there's like, you can indent under friendship evangelism or relationship evangelism, whatever, indent, and we're going to talk about the testimony gospel and the Hoosier Becky evangelism. So the testimony gospel, um, okay, so personally, friendship evangelism is the most boring for me. <laughs> I like the thrill-seeking cold evangelism where you just right off the street, papam, here's a prophetic word, Jesus loves you, and they're like, give me Jesus. And you're like, awesome. Uh, friendship evangelism takes a lot longer. It takes months. It could take years. So this testimony gospel, as well as the Hoosier Becky is not designed for a one and done. It is designed for the long haul. And so maybe some of you are like, oh, thank God. Don't make me talk to strangers. I can talk to my relatives. I can talk to coworkers. So this might be right up your alley. So testimony gospel method, um, this is, this is where, like in a work setting, someone would say, you know, tell me about your life and what do you do? Oh, you go to church? Why? Oh, you don't drink? You don't party? Why? What's that about? And that gives you the opportunity to share your testimony. So it's important to note that your personal testimony is not the gospel, but it is one of the best ways to incorporate the gospel into your story because it's a part of your life. And so sharing your testimony and a way to share the gospel com is composed of three elements. And the first element is that you would talk about what your life was like before you received Christ. So the first element is that you talk about what your life was like before you received Christ. The second one is then you describe how God spoke to you or opened your eyes to spiritual truth. Like how you got saved. What, what changed? Um... And then the third part is how, how you have changed, how your life has changed since receiving Christ. Um, so one time I did have fun with this. 
<laughs> and last year we had a, a whole bunch of travel plans booked. We, I was going to go to Switzerland and then we went to Africa and we were going to go to Russia afterwards. And so it was all over the course of about two, three months. And, uh, so I went to cancel my gym membership since I'd be out of the country so much. And when I got there, the girl of course asked, what is your reason for canceling your membership? And I was like, oh, I'm going overseas. She's like, ooh, where are you going and why? You know, like, ooh, vacation. And I was like, no, missions, Jesus. And she was like, huh? <laughs> you know, and I got to share about previous places I'd gone to. And she's like, oh, my gosh, what was it like there? And I got to share about one time where I got to share the gospel with someone. And I went into real nitty gritty details. I was like, yeah. And then he said, and then I said, and I shared the gospel and I like told her the whole gospel. And I was like, and then he got saved. So I intentionally told her the gospel without telling her the gospel by way of telling her a story about a time where I shared the gospel. <laughs> and afterwards she was like, wow, I've never heard the gospel before. I don't think. And I'm Catholic. I go to mass every week. How have I never heard this before? And I was like, well, you just did. So what do you think? <laughs> and she's like, I think that's great. I think, I think I should read my Bible. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you should. And you should pray to receive Jesus as Lord. And she's like, I can do that. Okay. She's like, anyways, your membership's canceled. <laughs> like, hey, thanks. I'm going to go now. <laughs> she's like, when you get back, I want to hear all your stories. And I was like, you got it, dude. So that can be a fun one because it just, it's, a, it's an open door and all you have to do is walk through it. Um, okay, and the Hoosier Becky, hit it. Yeah, so that was my husband's phrase. Um, he was a bus driver when we first moved here to supplement the income between pastorate here. And he met a woman whose name was Becky. And he came home one time and said, if she gets saved, anybody can be saved. <laughs> and he just built relationship. It's a really long story, and it took a lot of time. But eventually, before he knew it, he was invited to their lunch table, and they found out he was a pastor, and so their language began to change because they were pretty vulgar prior to finding out that he was a pastor. And before he knew it, she had called him on the bus and told him her story, and he just invited her to dinner one night, and then we took her out to dinner and with another couple, just kind of that friendship you know, just bring her into relationship. And outside of Ruby Tuesdays, we led her to the Lord. And before we knew it, her and her boyfriend ended up getting married. And the, I mean, and here we are. And so it became this, who's your Becky? Who are you? Who in your workplace are you pouring into in hopes to show them Jesus that maybe one day they would want what you have? And so that's how that all came about. And that's a very condensed version of who's your Becky? Um, but it was beautiful, and it worked, and it, it became a movement in our church, and we've seen a lot of fruit from that movement. And so it is also composed of three elements, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's share your story, listen to theirs, and add Jesus to both. So step one is to share your testimony, right? Like we just went over, the three parts, what, are, what is your story, who were you before, how did God save you, and what's changed since? So you share your story. And then you listen to theirs. You ask to hear their story. And, uh, you know, this, of course, isn't going to happen in one sitting. It's probably over the course of weeks and months, you're getting to know each other and they're hearing parts of your story and you're hearing parts of their story. And then you have this very intentional moment of adding Jesus to both. Um, and it culminates in 
sharing the gospel and, and leading them to salvation, hopefully. Yeah, anything you want to add on that, since it's your story? Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and, and with it being, uh, you know, if you're going to pursue somebody, make sure you know that you're in it for the long haul. Don't don't give up because it's too hard. Like if, if God has highlighted that person in the workplace and says, this is your Becky, I want you to pour into them, then pour them in all the way to the end. Don't just stop. Yep. Um, I was reminded there is one person that I walked with from on one side of the line all, way, all the way through across the sideline into salvation, and I continue to walk with her in discipleship. Um, and it's been a very sweet process, and it was very, I mean, it took two years start to finish, and now it's still going. So I think we're on year five now. And, and so it's been really, really beautiful. But she was, she believed in the universe, and she used to talk to the universe, and and I would just kind of be like, okay, cool. You, you do you, boo. That's not for me. It's not my alley. Uh, and, I, you know, we would talk sometimes, and she'd tell me, oh, you know, the universe said this to me today. And I'd say, you know, that sounds a lot like my Jesus. You know, my Jesus is really, really sweet and really loving, and he talks to us too, and he wants what's best for us, and he looks out for us. And she's like, oh, my gosh, my universe does that. And I was like, hmm. I just left it at that, and we'd go on to other topics, and it was one of those things you had to have discernment because any other scenario, you know, we typically just shut down. We're like, universe isn't real. That's dumb. You believe in something fake. And it's like, okay, that's a closed door. Don't do that. You can't disrespect someone. You have to love them, right? Love. It's all about love. <laughs> um, and so I would just love her. And love meant listening sometimes with a closed mouth. And so I would do that. And then one day she called me and she goes, oh, Katie, you're not going to believe this. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she goes, I went out for a walk to talk to my universe. And you know what my universe said to me? I said, nope, what? And she said, universe told me his name was Jesus. <laughs> and I said, no way. And she said, yeah, I'm freaking out. <laughs> I can't believe it. You were right all along. <laughs> and I was like, what do you know? And she instantly became an evangelist. She told everyone she knew that she just met Jesus, that she had been talking to Jesus all along. And she's like, did you know he really is sweet? All those people that say religion is bad, they're wrong. Jesus is actually really nice. <laughs> and it was beautiful. So... Oh, that was so good. I wish I had it recorded. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 
So I'm going to try to reiterate what he said for the recording. <laughs> so it's not about bringing them to church. It's about doing life together outside of the church. Um, and all 18 of these are things that require a sensitivity and a sense of discernment because there may be times where you're talking to someone that is um, an intellect that needs to hear creation evangelism, but maybe you don't have that answer. And if you don't, that's okay, because we are the body of Christ. We're all different. And if you don't have the answer, someone else will. So you just bring them along next time or you say, I'll call my pastor and get you the answer tomorrow. And uh, I think that's a pretty good nutshell. Okay, we're going to move on to the last couple. <laughs> For those of you listening that are not here, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, what number are we on? 19? 18. Oh boy. Thank you. Okay. Prophetic evangelism. Whoop, whoop. So we're going to do prophetic evangelism and treasure hunts. These are the last two. And then we're going to do activation. Whoop, whoop. All you listeners just got off easy, but okay. So prophetic evangelism is, uh, where you practice listening to God and you share the word that you get from the Lord to a non-believer, an unbeliever, non-believer, whatever you want to call it. Um, on most occasions, it's something that you typically don't know naturally. Um, that's a prophetic evangelism. Other examples of this would be prophetic dream interpretations and prophetic tattoo interpretations. Um, and then treasure hunt. Um, they are a type of prophetic evangelism. Uh, so a so it's like a small group of Christians take time to pray and listen to revelation from the Holy Spirit about the people that God wants them to find. There's a close correlation between personal evangelism and prophetic evangelism that kind of creates treasure hunts. Um, this type of evangelism is often referred to as a game searching for God's treasures, which are people. Um, and the group typically prays and waits for revelations or clues uh, that give that indicate a place or a person, such as clothing, hairstyle, or situations that can identify the treasure or the person. And then after receiving all these revelations, the group then goes out, looks for the people, and identifies them by way of clues or revelations they received. And then they're able to speak God's love and the gospel of Jesus into someone's life. On other occasions, they pray for them for healing um, or other needs. Uh, so the, the main focus in this type of evangelism is to let people know that they are valuable to God and that God is searching for them as one searches for treasure. Yeah, I think um, I've been saying for years, this is the kind of evangelism. If I were was ever an evangelist, this is the one that I would do. And um, just because I like the prophetic and I mean, all you have to do is say, well, God told me so here I am. You know what I mean? You can always put him, I'm going to hide behind the Holy Spirit. Um, but now that I'm on this way, I'm really hoping to be able to do this some Saturday just for fun. So the, the key with treasure hunting or prophetic evangelism is to making sure that the main thing is the main thing in your life. And it's really cool because here's a book written. It's called Treasure Hunting, and it's got all kinds of stories and testimonies. He's a teacher at Bethel, a school of um, super supernatural school. And it's the ultimate treasure hunt. And he goes into explaining what it is, what it looks like. And his testimonies are amazing. And it often, in the treasure hunting, often leads to salvations more than it doesn't, which is a beautiful thing because you can't deny when you show up at a supermarket and say, hey, look, you're you are the treasure that God wanted me to find today. Uh, he told me to look for a red shirt 
it over by the ice cream and your name is this and this is the issue that he wants to heal in you today. They can't deny a God that knew all that about him and sent someone after them. You know, so it often leads to evangelism. And it's really cool because it's the most scary for people um, because they worry that they're going to get it wrong. And I just really felt led to share this uh, just because a lot of the conversations that I, they, that I have had. And um, so one time they decided to take the junior high kids, pair up a junior high kid with two students in the supernatural school, and they were going to go and do treasure hunting with them. And so these two students and a 12-year-old boy go, and I'm just rephrasing it just for the sake of time because we want to get to activation, go and they, they find, they pray together, they write out their clues, they each write out their clues, and then they go, and this 12-year-old boy is like on the money, like prophesying and healing and leading people to the Lord and just doing an incredible job. And these students look at him and said, wow, you've done this before. And he goes, no, today's my first day. And they said, well, how, how do you know this? And he goes, well, my teacher told me we we're going to go do it, that we were going to go prophesy over people. And I knew that God knew that. So we went out. So anything that came to my mind, I did. And it, and he goes on to share that if we have the mind of Christ, then whatever is in our mind is him. If our, if we are actively in renewal of our mind, right? He's, he teaches us to renew our mind, to make sure we're filling our mind with him. Then our thoughts are his thoughts and his thoughts are our thoughts. And if you're sent out on a mission and you are purposely going to look for God's treasure, then those thoughts are his thoughts and his thoughts are yours. So you can just step out on faith. It's that childlike faith that takes place. In the Old Testament, you know, there's a scripture that says, his ways are not my way, his ways is not our ways, his ways are, th his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But that's because he was talking to a rebellious church. But when we have a renewed mind, we have the mind of Christ, so his thoughts are our thoughts. So we overcomplicate the prophetic and treasure hunting. And so if we become more childlike and trust that our thoughts are his, I think this could be a really fun way to just go treasure hunting with a group of people. So, yeah. So before we jump into activation, I'll just say most of all of these can be broken down into two groups, which is a power encounter or a love encounter. Um, and it takes discernment to recognize the person you're in front of, what they need most. Do they need a love encounter with the person of Jesus and they need to be heard and they need to be healed inwardly? Do they need to be seen? Do they need, do they have a story that needs to be told that needs to be validated? You know, or <clears throat> are they more hard-hearted or hard-headed and they need a power encounter that absolutely nothing can negate the fact that the, the living Lord Almighty just showed up and blowed their socks off, you know, and then walking in whatever is necessary in that moment, what is most apt, what is uh, going to open their heart to the gospel in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the key with that is is um, with power counters and um, even love encounters is is knowing 
I lost my train of thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Our team from Arizona just walked in, so got distracted real easy. <laughs> Yeah, so power and love encounters, oh, yeah. we do have to be sensitive about. We have to be seeking the Lord and, and again to draw back to that one place, that one thing. As you're walking in intimate communion and fellowship with the Lord, you ask him, God, what does this person need? What is the heart of this person looking for? And how, how can I share the gospel with this person in the way that you know they need to hear it? Yeah, because um, when we started the series, we talked about how um, godly sorrow leads to repentance. That is for the believer. But do you know what what causes an unbeliever to come to, into repentance? Kindness. And and it's it's the kindness of God. When we show up in supernatural ways to an unbeliever, the kindness of God is what leads to repentance. You know, and I, I think too often we we don't, we're so uncomfortable with ourselves, which by the way, just, just my conviction is, if you're too uncomfortable with yourself to share the gospel, then it's a pride issue in you. And I only know that because that's what the Lord dealt with me is the reason you don't share the gospel and not willing to look foolish is because you have a pride issue and it needs to die. And so we've been working it out. And, and this world needs a supernatural gospel. It needs supernatural encounters. It needs a face-to-face encounter with the gospel truth, the whole truth of who Jesus is and what he came for. And that is what evangelism is all about. And we need to get over ourselves so that we do and are willing to take risk because it's sharing the gospel is a risk. And we need to be a people that is willing to take risk to bring the kindness of the Lord. And so if you ever want to do a treasure hunt with me, uh, we have been talking for years. We're going to do it, and it just lays it all out. It, it's time and prayer and intercession. And uh, we started doing it a little bit after the school presence, and that was a lot of fun. So, I just wanted to share a verse for us, Mark 16, 17 through 18. Um, so Mark 16, verses 17 through 18. It says, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay the hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so we know that as, as ones who believe miracles follow us. And so you might be thinking, okay, sure. Maybe I can help produce a love encounter for someone, but how do I produce a, a power encounter? You know, and again, it's nothing that you produce. It's you have fellowship with the living Lord. And as you engage in intimacy with him, that overflows into power encounters and love encounters. It's passing on what's been freely given to you. And so it just naturally follows you. You don't have to chase the miracle. It chases you. So without further ado, I think we had a hand up in the back. Were you going to say something? Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes, Dr. Shelley. 
Okay, so we're going to do a fun activation. Woo! Who's <laughs> ready for activation? <laughs> Your favorite part. The uncomfortable element that draws us closer together. <laughs> okay, so do you want to explain it or do you want me to? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, our, our Arizona team, feel free to just hang back unless you want to, then by all means, feel free to. But what we're going to do is a practical way to practice prophetic evangelism or treasure hunt in this room with really safe people. So it's okay if you mess it up because we're all saved. Where she can do is we're already saved. Okay. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying about the people in this room? that's it. It's that simple. What are you saying about the people in this room? And ask him to highlight someone to you, highlight someone specific and say, what do you, what do you want to do? Holy spirit. That's it. What do you want to do? He may give you an encouragement. He may give you a word. He may highlight something to heal in that person. You, you may have no, no idea at all. And you might be like, I just know I'm supposed to pray for this person. And you go over and you say, can I pray for you? <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> and then you get to pray and bless them. But you know, as, as she was sharing about the treasure hunting with that little boy, the beautiful element about that story with the little boy is he just had childlike faith. He just said, you know what? I'm a willing vessel, you know, and if you say I can, then I guess I can and I'll do it. <laughs> and so all we have to do is believe that God wants to speak to us and that God loves each of us here in this room and that he has a word for us. And so we're just going to do that. We're just going to give him the opportunity for Jesus to be here in our midst and to be himself, for him to speak to us and to speak through us. Can we do that? Let me see a big nod if you're willing. Oh, I love that extra mile. Great job. A nod and a yes. Love it. <laughs> Come on. Yes, you can. All right. So I'm going to pray for us and we're just going to be still. We're just going to ask Holy Spirit. What are you saying about the people in this room? Can you highlight someone to me? And what do you want me to do about it? So after he highlights someone, don't doubt it. Don't, don't be a little chicken about it. Go boldly. <laughs> go, go boldly. Go boldly. You're all looking at me like, gulp, please don't make me. We're going to do it. You're safe in this room. We're going to do it. Okay, it's going to be so good. We're just going to encourage each other. All right? Ready? Okay, Jesus, thank you so much that you're so good and that you're here with us and that you love us so deeply, so passionately. God, that you stop at nothing to come after us. So we thank you for this ferocious love that you revealed to us by dying on the cross for us. We thank you for the gospel, for the good news, for your message. And we thank you now for the Holy Spirit that is here with us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you speak to us. We thank you that scripture tells us we have the mind of Christ. And we thank you that the word says that you distribute the gift of prophecy as you will. And so we ask you now, Holy Spirit, to pour out a special measure of the gift of prophecy, that we would hear you clearly and be able to prophesy to one another. So Holy Spirit, will you speak to us about the people in this room? Will you highlight someone to us? And will you show us what to do with the person you've highlighted? God, that we would just share in faith and be obedient. God, help us not to question or doubt, but to be full of faith. So we thank you now in advance for speaking. We thank you now with bold faith that you will speak and enable us to go therefore.
All right. It's okay if you didn't get one, but I, I grow, you know how things grow? You know how your muscles grow? I wouldn't know because I don't do it. <laughs> it's exercise. <laughs> but it's the same with a prophetic gift. It's the same with learning to hear God's voice. It's the same, you know, if you don't get a word, start by encouraging. You know, just going up and loving on people. Start there if you have to and let it grow and grow and grow. Okay? All right, let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you that you are so good and faithful. Lord, and we thank you of the reminder to keep the main thing the main thing. And that is to keep you at the center of everything we do. Don't compartmentalize our life where we pull you off and bring you in. But God, that we would flow from the place where you are the center. God, I, I thank you that you love to be in relationship with us, that you love to talk to us, that you love to encourage us, and that you love to use your children to love on others. Father, you are so good, and you just love this world. May we be obedient and get outside of ourselves and begin to love those around us well. Go with us as we leave this place and continue to grow us in the gift of prophecy and evangelism, Lord, that, that in friendship with Jesus comes the overflow of sharing it with everybody we run into because we just can't get enough of you. Go with us from this place. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Dr. Shelley will be speaking next Wednesday. Woo! <laughs> Not sure what yet, but whatever it is, I'm sure your world will be rocked. And then December 2nd, sorry, uh, the next week, November 25th, we are canceled because it is Thanksgiving Eve where all the baking elves are at work. So <laughs> canceled. And then December 2nd, we are back and at Trinity Chapel, Pastor slash Reverend Charlene Lauver will be with us to speak um, a conclusive message on the gospel series. So thanks for joining us.